Welcome to another episode of the 100K Freelancer Club podcast. Today, I'm speaking with a very special guest in the world of search engine optimization, copywriting, and a fellow podcaster. But before we dive into this episode of the podcast, please make sure to subscribe and head over to 100kfreelanceclub.com to sign up to our free account and get all that extra content on becoming a successful freelancer. So today's guest is Faith Hanna, an expert SEO copywriter and podcaster. We're going to be going over some really quick to implement tips and tricks to up your search engine optimization game, whether you're a search engine optimization specialist working in marketing or whether you don't know anything about these things and you just want to use these tips and tricks to enhance your freelance career, then this podcast is for you. But without saying anything further, let's dive into today's episode of the podcast. A huge thank you and welcome uh, to the podcast, Faith. It's really nice to have you here today i'd like to pick your brains about everything you do in the freelance world so mm-hmm. you're an seo expert a copywriter mm-hmm. uh, and you've got a, a podcast yourself as mm-hmm. well so um, i love to dive into all those things but i'll start with the most basic question uh, in the world and that is uh, how are you doing today i'm good i'm good I've, i'm caffeinated i've had my protein drink my water my kids are happy like it's it's a good day it's a good day <laughs> Oh, I love it. Good start to the day. Actually, coming to the end of the day for me. Mm-hmm. So it's 5 p.m. here. I think it's 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you are there. And uh, what? so what does a normal day in the world of freelance life look like for you? Oh, that's a fun question. So I am a stay-at-home mom of two soon-to-be three kids. We're due with our third baby in December. And so um, we also homeschool our kids, slash I homeschool our kids. So I only work like on average 15 to 20 hours a week. Um, My husband works full time and I work 15 to 20 hours a week. Previous to like the last month, I had um, some help with my kids two days a week. And so for like six hour chunks of time. And then in the last few, in the last week, my childcare has like disappeared. And so I'm just like fitting in um, work blocks really throughout my day. I get up at like six o'clock in the morning, read my Bible um, spend time with the Lord and my kids get up, we have breakfast, do homeschool. And then I go do chores and feed horses and clean stalls and we come back and play. And then usually I work while my kids nap from like two to four. And then some evenings when my husband gets home, depending on what we have going on that night, I'll work for a couple more hours, take coaching calls. And then depending on the week, some days I work three, four or five hours on a Saturday and I just get stuff done. <laughs> When I'm working, I am head down working. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. So, like, I think for you, that being able to, you know, you've got your set hours, you know, you're going to get like 15 hours a week in or like a smaller amount of hours. Do you think that helps you focus in terms of like staying productive? Because me, I'm a massive procrastinator. So I have to like, I say this before in a couple of other podcasts, but I have to like create these sort of like, artificial pressure points for me to like Mm. actually do something so you on like this busy schedule with just your life in general does that help Mm. you focus and like nail down for sure 
for sure. I was totally the kid that waited forever to start an assignment in school. Like didn't even open the book until the day before the assignment was due. But now I just like, I have so much less flexibility in my schedule, you know, as far as like when my kids need me, they need me, you know, I can't be like thinking about copy project for a client, um, that I've gotten pretty good at at least trying to stay ahead of the game. And then when I work, um, I've just learned what I actually need to do to move the needle versus, oh, I don't actually need to be doing this on social media or, you know, this email would be nice to respond to, but it ain't happening. <laughs> like, yeah. which sounds really bad, but it's like, I just have to be kind of ruthless with my time. And so the, the busyness of things, it actually has helped. You know, there's that saying that if you want something done, give it to a busy person to do. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, I laugh at myself 10 years ago. I thought I was busy. 10 years ago and I'm like you're hilarious faith and now I'm like oh my gosh here we're adding a third kid to the mix and it's just gonna be fun it's gonna be fun yeah well yeah congratulations as well Thank on you. the uh, uh, on the third kid I might dive in and ask you a, a couple of questions about, about like, family life and and things because I, I'm sort of I'm reaching that stage in my life mm-hmm. where now I have uh, a fiance, we live together, and then we're probably gonna get to that stage of where like a family is on the cards. And that mm-hmm. went like, as me, is this something that I worry about? Like, okay, like, am I gonna have enough time? Am I gonna be able to like, you know, get my business, my freelance business, to where I want it to be and be a good enough parent? Um, mm-hmm. You know, how much time do I need to sacrifice? Like all these worries like go through my head. Um, how, how does it feel on like? day-to-day business being um being a mother and running that that freelance business do do you ever does does fear ever cross your mind of like okay like i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna be able to achieve these goals because the family side of things might get in the way and then the other side of the coin is like i might not be doing as good of a job as a mother because the the business is getting in the way Mm -hmm. like how how does that all feel So, I mean, for me, the basis of everything comes back to my faith. Like, I really do feel like in this season and in this time, like I'm in the right place doing the right thing. Um, And I feel like, I mean, it's a daily conversation, honestly, in my head, like, oh my gosh, should I just quit the business and be a stay-at-home mom? (laughs) But then I'm like, no, I actually started in business and started freelancing because I wanted to, not because I had to. Um because my brain needed something to do other than change diapers and wipe butts. (laughs) And so, and I love the fact that I'm able to use my gifts to help people and then communicate that to my children. Like, listen, mama got to use my gift and help this person with this problem. And now this person is, so for me, it's like, it all works together. Like I want my kids to see their mom and dad using their gifts that God has given us and that we're able to take the things we're good at and bless people with them. Like I'm good with words. I'm good with SEO. Like not everybody is. And I, you know, I'm able to take that gift and help some really amazing businesses and entrepreneurs reach more people with their great products and great services. And so just being able to communicate that with my kids, but it's, I'm not one that like, I can like sit and do work with my kids running around screaming around me. Like I need the separation a little bit, like at least the the closed door. Um, 
so that I can be all in. And I really think that that helps a lot. Um, as far as like whether I'm going to fail or not and worrying about that, I, you know, I try, I really don't worry too much about it because I feel like I, like I know I'm in the right season in the right place. Like it's harder for me, honestly, to not look at my colleagues who are working 40 hours a week. They have full-time childcare or their kids are in school full-time or whatever. Like it's hard for me to not look at that and be like, oh, they are having so much more growth or so much more reach right now um, than I am. And I'm like, wait a second, Faith, like you're kicking butt and taking names in 15 to 20 hours a week. Like (laughs) I've seen six X growth in the last year. And so just to be able to sit back and be like, no, you're doing really well with where you're at. Um, and just reevaluate that. And there are days that are harder than others. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like yesterday I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) But for the most part, I, I really enjoy it. And I really enjoy the blend of motherhood and business and family and ministry and all the things that we do. Yeah. It it sounds like you're using your (laughs) freelance business is sort of like a creative outlet. So you can almost describe it as like as a creative outlet that you're monetizing. Yeah, almost in a lot of ways. And I've always liked business. I've always loved marketing. Um, (laughs) I have a distinct, I have distinct memories of sitting in my room as a child. I had it been like six or seven and I had a bottle of an empty bottle of hairspray that I had refilled with water. And I was pretending that it was this like cure all cleaning solution. And I was marketing it like pretending sitting there to pretending to market this thing like the infomercial guys. And I had this whole spiel. I mean, my, my brain has always worked like that. And so it's when I wasn't getting to use that in my, um, real job before I had kids, it was really frustrating. And so to just be able to take those skills and use them and stretch my brain and stretch myself creatively is, is fun. It really is most days. Now there's days when I want to bang my head against that wall because Google analytics can't use real words that real people use. <laughs> I'm like, what are you even doing? But most days it's very fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel your pain on the, on the Google analytics side of things oh. and, and most Google tools as well. Even the Google ads platform sometimes is just so painfully slow. I just, mm. I just don't understand how such a huge company can have mm-hmm. such a painfully slow interface. Sometimes it, it mm-hmm. is. It does get me really wound up, but moving on to the marketing side of things then. So mm-hmm. you're in the business of search engine optimization mm-hmm. and, uh, and copywriting. Mm-hmm. So is, how did, how did you stumble across that market? Like what made you decide to specialize in that area? Well, funny story. So I had, um, I had a content writing client. I was writing their blogs. Um, and they, they had, um, they sold a, an ag product, a horse feed product and an amazing product, but their marketing was just poop. And so I was writing blogs for them and they were mostly just like sharing, like we were putting the blogs on and they were, it was good content, but for the most part we were sharing it with their social media. It was giving them something to repurpose and share, you know? Um, and I had just spent a bunch of time working on my own website and making it just so, so perfect. And so, so pretty. (laughs) I say with lots of sarcasm and I got access to this particular client's Google analytics and they literally had another digit of traffic 
And I was like, what? Their side is so ugly and so poorly written. What in the heck? What's going on? And so I started digging into what actually brings traffic. Because I'd had a personal blog for a long time where I was like, oh, just like sharing like all kinds of things. And and I, I was frustrated that like I wasn't getting the traffic that I wanted, but I was like, oh, I'm sharing good stuff. People will find me. And then it really dawned on me that if I don't start building and creating content with search engine optimization in mind, it doesn't matter how good my content is, nobody's going to find it. And so I just started diving into, okay, how can I make, you know, this blog content more SEO friendly? What even is SEO? How do I make sense of all these dumb words that Google wants to use? And I, you know, I don't have a Harvard degree, like, which is fine. But like, I, like I literally had a, a whiteboard where I would write down what Google said or somebody said, and then I would take and I would put it in like working term definitions because I'm like, this makes no sense. I have to figure out what this means in like normal people language. And so I just started experimenting with client after client after client who was, they were hiring me to write for them and do copywriting and content writing. But I was like, well, let me try this little SEO hack and see if it works. Like, and then it worked and the next hack worked. And then the next thing worked and the next thing worked and the next thing worked. And before I knew it, I had clients who had like, um, my, one of my clients, one of my more recent clients, we've had 1500% growth this year in their traffic. I mean, just phenomenal. And it's just all from SEO tip, SEO hacks and website copywriting that's with SEO in mind and then creating SEO friendly blogs. And so it was fun to like blend that um, copywriting wordsmith skill that I have with SEO because I would see so many people that had like maybe great SEO as well, but their, their copywriting stunk. And I'm like, have you ever talked to a real human? Like that's not how real people talk. Like your website is getting traffic, but nobody is, nobody wants to buy from you because you sound like you're just selling all the time or talking to a robot. And so to be able to blend that mix of marketing and speaking to people in their language with good SEO practices that are sustainable and going to last through all the updates. It's been really fun for me. And that's just kind of been like trial and error. And sometimes I'll have a call with a client and be like, you know what, let's try this thing I've been thinking about. And we try it and it works. And I'm like, sweet. (laughs) And they know like everything's an experiment, right? Like what isn't an experiment in business, you know? And so it's, it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah, that is very true. Like, I, I think this is the same as me. Like, I, I love experimenting uh, inside a business, especially uh, well, in my line of work, we're often doing like A-B testing, but mm-hmm. it, it's just so fun to like, you know, put ideas forward and see how they, how they you know, how they lay out. Mm-hmm. And what you were saying earlier about, you know, you, you looked at your own Google Analytics, you've been spending time looking at like, you know, building a beautiful website for yourself and then realized that, oh, wait, it's not just how good it looks. Mm-hmm. It's getting traffic to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I work with a really talented UX designer called Chris. Uh, mm-hmm. And Chris is just always, always, always on about, you know, we need to design this. It has to be so beautiful. It has to be this, this and the other. And then when he started working with clients, he quickly found out that it's not just like the most beautiful website that makes the most money and and generates the most business. Mm -hmm. It's the websites that get the most traffic. Like Mm -hmm. you can't just design a beautiful site and just drop it into the ocean and expect people Mm -hmm. to come to it. You need that strategy behind it. And I think 
there's a lot of freelancers out there as well that think that when they, you know, they start a website for themselves with the objective of gaining clients, that they're mm -hmm. going to gain clients just by having a website. But mm -hmm. if you don't have that traffic inflow, then where, where are the clients going to come from? Where are they going to find you from? It's not like buying a store in a high street and you've got all that foot traffic. Mm -hmm. It's you're just in the middle of this huge ocean that is the internet without mm -hmm. anybody, you know, able to find you. So right. on the topic of that, like what would you recommend or like quick tips for a freelancer, for an individual with a skill? Let's just say it's Jane, the graphic designer looking to obtain graphic design clients she's made a website for herself janegraphicdesigner.com let's just say mm -hmm. what is the quickest or best tips to implement fast to start getting some um, traffic from search engines so i always start with doing your keyword research um, because i i do keyword research on a regular basis for clients and i am continually surprised at what's actually searched versus what i think is searched and Jane, the graphic designer, could have words in her head that she thinks her client is searching, and they're not. And you don't know that until you do the actual keyword research. And I think a lot of times, especially as freelancers, I mean, people want to get real fluffy with their words. And they want to say something like, well, I help, you know, I help stay-at-home moms create, you know, pretty pictures to hang on their walls. Well, that's not really what they're searching you know, or whatever. Like I can't, I'm, I'm so cut and dried. It's hard for me to even come up with fluffy examples, but you know, they'll, they'll come up with this big fluffy elevator pitch that like, yeah, it sounds cool. And maybe somebody in your industry, but the person who's hiring you has no idea what you do. They have no idea what you do. So you need to get super, super clear on what it is that you do, like boring language and then do the actual keyword research. Yeah. How, do, how does one even conduct keyword research? Like, what so does that Uber consist Suggest of? is my favorite platform. Uber Suggest is. It's, um, it's Neil Patel's platform. And it's a one-time paid deal. You can buy the whole thing for like $290. And it's a lifetime access. It's not like some of them that are like two or $300 a month, which those are good. But Uber Suggest is my favorite, especially for people starting out because um, it's much more user-friendly. Okay, so you you wouldn't recommend tools like SEMrush, for example, to no. beginners? No, no. That SEMrush is overwhelming for me still. Like, I love it. It gives really good data. But there's days when I'm like, I can't, I can't look at this screen right now because this is just too much. <laughs> so yeah. I, always, I always dive in Uber Suggest uh, with clients. And I want people to get in and, like, really figure out how people are phrasing things. And then... I've kind of created, not kind of, I've created basically a formula just through trial and error of what size of keywords you can go for. You know, because if you're a little baby business owner just barely starting out, you can't go for graphic design probably. You know, you can't go for that big of a term to search that many times. You know, just like if you're creating a shoe, you can't go for shoes. Like your Nike's going to kick your pants off. Like Nike's going to beat you. You're never going to beat Nike for just shoes. And so you have to figure out the keywords that are attainable for you and your business size at that point. And then you need to take those keywords and you need to put them in really strategic places on your website, like your page title, your page titles for each of your page pages. They need to be unique page titles, but they do need keywords in them. You need some page, you need some keywords in your H1 text, in your H2 text and your image names. 
And then you still need to write your website copy in such a way that sounds authentic. It sounds like a human wrote it and not like a robot. Yeah, that's very true, especially when people come to the page as well. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that there is like, or is there a formula as, you know, when, when writing copy with keywords, is there like, okay, this piece of text on this page has to have 7% of the words as this keyword or, you know, is there like a current formula that is offered by Google or somebody that you can look at and say, okay, here's a blueprint to how I should write my text. If there is a cut and dried formula, I don't know about it. Um, I just always, I always go for authentic, right? I'm not going to choose. Cause if you do keyword research, the funny thing is, is sometimes things that are incorrect grammatically are searched more than the grammatically correct version or things are searched in such a way that like, you're never going to say that. And so I'm not going to choose that keyword because I'm like, I'm never going to say that. I'm never going to write like that. I want to choose something that fits with me. And so like if it's, so for example, I did keyword research for a client a while back and they thought that people were searching get more clients. Turns out lead generation was way more searched than get more clients. And so we just swapped where they would have said get more clients with lead generation because it means the same thing. You know, yeah. you know what that means. I know what that means. It means the same thing, but let's put it in a more search-friendly way. I mean, my goal when I'm writing a blog post for clients um, or for myself is to have my focus keyword phrase in about 60% of my H2 headings and then just authentically throughout the rest of it. Yeah, I guess as well, that's a really good point you raised about changing it from how to get clients to lead generation because... It's also going to depend, I guess, this is just me thinking out loud, mm -hmm. but I'm imagining now the client that's trying to get the clients that are searching that. Mm -hmm. People that are searching for get more clients are probably a smaller or, you know, startup phase or bootstrap business because mm -hmm. the people then that are searching for lead generation, they're at least at the point where they know what that terminology means. Mm -hmm. um, right. So I, I guess you like the keywords that you're using mm -hmm. in your in your website or in your copy or in your blog posts is also going to affect the target audience that comes to your website, right? For sure, for sure. And it's going to greatly impact um, what's called your searcher intent. So if I'm just searching something super general, like um, the NFL football schedule for October, like I'm looking up that information, but I have no intention of making a purchase versus if I'm searching for a Kansas city chiefs Jersey from, Oh, what is it? Jason Kels. Who's like blowing up the news because he's dating Taylor Swift. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I've seen that. And I don't even watch American football. I don't, <laughs> I don't either really, unless my childhood team is winning. But anyway, um, I'm, I have way more intention, a much more higher intention of purchasing that jersey than I do making a purchase with the NFL schedule, right? And so sometimes we get all starry-eyed and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get 100,000 people seeing my website with this huge, hugely searched keyword. When in reality, like those people aren't going to buy anything. It doesn't matter if they come to my website anyway. Yeah. Like, but if I'm selling that jersey, <laughs> then I want to make sure that I have the the keyword with the right intent, 
there. So like, let's say there's a freelancer who, you know, they're doing, they, they specialize in design, website design, you know, um, and their, their target audience is maybe photographers. Um, you know, they don't really need to do a whole, like their one of their goal keywords or target keywords doesn't need to be like, what is a website? <laughs> like the photographer already knows what that is. They're looking for, um, website design for photographers. They're looking for a specific keyword phrase with a very specific intention. And so you'd be so much better off, you know, busting your little booty on the keyword phrase with a very aligned intention with what you offer. Yeah, exactly. I, I completely, I completely agree with that because as well, if you go too broad, like you said, you're going to have an influx of traffic on your website, maybe, but also maybe. that's not traffic that's, you know, going to purchase. Yeah. So yeah, I, I yeah, I, I like what you said there about t paying attention to, I think buyer intent or mm -hmm. like search intent mm -hmm. it, it is a, you know, a, a great thing to, to watch out for. I mean, what other tips would you have to, um, for people looking just, you know, to get started with a website off the, off the get go. Well, start with a platform that is, uh, <laughs> SEO friendly. I was on Squarespace forever and Squarespace is lovely as far as ease of use. And it's just all inclusive. You can do everything th through Squarespace and they'll tell you that they're SEO friendly, but in my experience, they're really not like mm. the little hacks that I've learned and, and keyword placement, they don't work on Squarespace. They won't allow you to do that. And so I, I'm not, I'm not like Cody enough to like WordPress for everything. Cause I'm like, I don't want to have to code in my life. No, thank you. Um, so I actually really love a platform called show it show. It was built kind of in conjunction with WordPress but it's much easier to use. Um, it's not as easy as Squarespace, but it's beautiful. <laughs> and it's still super SEO friendly. Like you can customize page titles. You can move your H1 text around. Like I love show it. And so I would say start with a platform that is SEO friendly and then don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to make mistakes because still today I'm like, Oh, I can, I can do better there. Oh, I can change that. You know, and the beautiful thing about a website is nothing's written in stone. You don't have to like chisel out a new set of the 10 commandments. Like you can go in and change it and it takes 35 seconds to change and then move on about your day, you know, and, and don't be afraid. Like just, just start, just start. Yeah. I think that's with everything, isn't it? Just, mm -hmm. just do it. Mm -hmm. Um, just jump in, get started and learn as you go. Mm -hmm. um, but that just, yeah, I haven't heard of just show it before. Mm -hmm. um, it was actually it, built for photographers. It's a platform that was built for photographers. Ah, okay. Um, so it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and they have a lot of really pretty templates, um, but I've loved it. And their support is amazing. Amazing. Ah, nice. Yeah. I'll have to I'll definitely give that. Um, I definitely have to check that out because I, I've experienced the same problem as you. I mean, I've, I've used platforms for like, Squarespace and Wix, but I've, and, and I've seen loads of clients using them, but the clients that do use them never tend to do well on, mm -hmm. on their search engine rankings. And mm -hmm. I've always been a, because of that, like I'm not in the search engine optimization field myself, but because of that, I've always tend to like recommend to people different platforms mm -hmm. or like custom development jobs, which are always way more expensive, but I thought mm -hmm. that was kind of a key to that. But I guess learning from you now, it's just the features that are available on, on the platform, right? So mm -hmm. 
what features if somebody's you know already on uh you know a web builder platform and it would be better you know easier for them not to change what what would they need to check like what are they looking out for when they're looking for a platform so i would want to make sure that it's it's easier for you to change your page titles and you can manipulate your h1 text um and then something that will automatically resize your photos for you um the file size so that you don't have a super slow loading time yeah this is a massive issue that i get when when clients just dump the photos straight Mm -hmm. from the camera or the iphone there's like 14 megabyte photos from the iphone straight on there the images aren't processed they're not web safe just Mm -hmm. yeah it smashes the load time yeah yep and another thing i like about show it is you can you can rename your photos within the platform you don't have to delete the photo find the photo rename the photo re-upload the photo with the seo friendly name so that's really helpful too um as far as like what other platforms offer those things i don't know because i don't have time to research them all i just find one that works and then i do that (laughs) yeah perfect yeah yeah i mean yeah, there, there are a lot of platforms out there, mm-hmm. and I can mean you could probably spend so much time researching, you know, what are the best platforms. But you know, I, I guess if you know you find a platform where you're on a platform where they, you know, they they offer editable H1 tags, editable um, title tags, and like you said, they're a good little, you know, trick is to be mm-hmm. able to edit the images without having to go through the trouble of downloading them, changing the name, re-uploading them. And then when you're um, looking, oh, sorry, sorry. When you're learning first step, when you're trying to figure out how to do stuff, make sure that you're searching for your specific website platform because people will be like, well, I have this. How do I do this on this? I'm like, I don't know. Go, go YouTube or Google, like how to change that on that platform. Like how to uh, yeah, that's your a good H1 tip. text on this platform because it's like, I'm zero help on WordPress. I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Or like when, you know, you read like an online blog, it's like, yeah, go into this and the settings and then change this. And then you're on your platform and you don't have that setting or you can't find it on this page. So uh-huh. yeah, it's really saved you a lot of time. And, you know, uh, a, a great search tip in general is just be as specific as possible to, uh-huh. to get that information um, you know, as fast as possible. And then so the SEO side of things, we've just covered a little bit there. But then moving on to the copywriting stage of things, mm-hmm. what sort of copywriting tips would you give to people in general that they can apply really quickly? So the, we're talking to the average person that's not a copywriter. They just they need to copyright to get mm-hmm. the clients um, to actually, you know, buy their services on their website. How mm-hmm. or like what quick copywriting tips do you have uh, for freelancers? So if you only ever do one thing on your website from this podcast, I would say, please, 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 for the love of all things holy, get your above the fold statement crystal clear. So the above the fold section on your website is what people see before they scroll. And so many people want to be super, super fluffy and be like, oh, I can, I'm so amazing and blah, 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 blah. I can do all these things. Or um, they want to be, they just want to use a gorgeous image or they just want to ramble on forever. And I feel like the ideal above the fold statement is usually like 13 words or less. And it's going to tell your client exactly what you do and how you solve their problem. Done. Mm. Because we have less than five seconds 
for somebody to come to our website, decide if we're the right fit for them, and then either further engage or move on. Like those decisions are made quickly. And so if you waste somebody's time with lack of clarity or too much information right off the bat, they're gone. You need, and you like gone are the days where like, I mean, your, your ideal clients are probably not plumbers, right? Like we all know what a plumber does. We know what a carpenter does. We're not asking those questions, but as far as like, what does a graphic designer do? What does a content writer do? Like talk about how you solve your ideal customer's problem and do it in such a way that positions them as the hero of the story, not you. Because we are all constantly looking for, you know, whether we are intentionally doing it or not, we're, we're scanning information, we're reading websites, we're reading books, we're reading everything with the subliminal motivation of how does this help me? And so if somebody cannot immediately tell that upon viewing your website within the first three seconds, they're gone. So structure that above the fold statement in such a way that it positions your client as a hero and is beyond crystal clear in what you do. I would rather have you be clear than cute any day of the week. And this is honestly what I spend, gosh, 60, 70, 80% of my time on with copywriting clients is nailing this above the fold statement because it's make or break. Yeah. yeah. I, I think one thing that I, I told people in the past, and I don't know, like, I'd love your expert opinion on this is to basically like with statements that are as important, as important like that, like the above the fold statement and just like your elevator pitch in mm-hmm. general, not even written, just how you describe what you do to people. If you can, if you can tell somebody that, I don't know if you know what that game is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, okay. So this is a game we used to play in school when we were like, like five years old. So mm-hmm. you get a couple of people to sit in a circle. Let's just say like 10. Okay. And usually you have to say something quite complicated and uh-huh. you say like a sentence or two sentences and you whisper it to the person to your left. And then uh, they whisper it to the person next to them and they whisper okay. it to the person next to them. And the we aim of the game, telephone. we call that game. Ah, okay. The aim of the game obviously is for that person at the end to be able to say what you said. And if you have a really simple, straight to the point message, you know that it is simple and straight to the point and clear enough. Mm-hmm. If the person at the end of the telephone, let's call it now, mm-hmm. can actually repeat what you said. So but what do you feel about that recommendation? I love that. I love that. I I always tell people that if you can explain it to my six-year-old, you're doing good. <laughs> and my, my six-year-old, she's really smart, but like, I, I'm trying to think of it. Oh, I had one person one time who was like, she was trying to give me this like four sentence long explanation of what she did. And she was, I don't even remember what she said, but my eye started to twitch and I was like, so basically you help people figure out what they're, what they need to do for their business. And she's like, yes. I was like, then say that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to like have the client or potential client guess what you do through like the mystery of um, like this massively detailed thing that you do. Yeah. Um, Because you can always, I mean, you can always go into more detail later right. but on first contact it's always right. best just that elevator pitch straight mm-hmm. to the point i am an ios developer for dating apps like just yes. something ultra specific and like really clear so they just know exactly what you're going to do because also they might until i'm talking face to face now but the same thing probably applies online is that when you're like really straight to the point and crystal clear and you don't waste you know, anybody's time, they can absorb that information. Mm -hmm. And then even if they don't need you, 
because they've absorbed that information. When somebody asks, oh, hey, I'm, I'm working on a new, you know, website for a, or a new app for, you know, a new data now. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, that, I met this guy and he does that. Exactly. And then so like just being able to transmit that information really quickly and mm-hmm. clearly, like if you can do that efficiently, I think it then like transmits further, like mm-hmm. very easily as well. Mm-hmm. And I guess these, you know, these, what we're talking about now is quite um, a core concept in copywriting in general now, mm-hmm. um, like in the online world. Um, but speaking about the online world and copy mm-hmm. copywriting, there's been big advancements in the last like let's just say year and Mm-mm. the hype around it of AI. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been talking a lot about this recently, um, especially when it comes to things like copywriting is this mainly, you know, chat GPT mm-hmm. does that mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, how do you feel about AI in general at the moment? Like, do you feel threatened by it or are you really excited by it? Here's, here's the funny thing is I have always approached business and approached copywriting approach whatever with the intention of whatever I produce needs to be helpful. Like, I don't want to waste your time reading in 3000 blog posts, 3000 word blog posts that you like, what did she even say? Mm. Like, if you can't say it straight and say it in a helpful way, like don't waste my time. And I don't want to do that with somebody else either. And so I was just thinking about this. I don't know the last couple of days. And I was, I actually have a podcast planned on this, but it's funny because it's like the more technologically advanced we get, the more our grandma's wisdom just stays true. Like be nice to people, be helpful. Don't tell lies. Don't copy people. Like create original content. Like, yes, AI is exploding and we see like changes and fluctuations in people's traffic. And then Google does another update because they're like, oh snap, bots are writing everything. So we need to figure out how to make original content rise to the top and we need to figure out how to make sure people aren't plagiarizing when in reality if you're just doing the right thing the whole time you're fine now i mean i use chat gpt like a tiny tiny bit to like maybe refine ideas or get ideas going but ultimately people are never going to connect with a computer the the way that they connect with another person. Like, just like you told me you got to attend, you know, attend a wedding via, you know, across the world via zoom, you know, you're doing that to connect with the people. You know, we want recommendations from people. We want to know what that person says is the best restaurant, not what Mm. the computer says is the best restaurant. And yes, we can totally use technology and AI and chat GPT to help get ideas started or refine a title or come up with different ideas. But ultimately, it's the humanity side of us that wants to connect with another human and their experiences and their knowledge. And that's the kind of stuff that AI can't realistically generate very well. You know, you can't tell me that somebody sitting at a computer pulling it, you know, saying, Hey, chat GPT, write me a blog about a mom's work at home schedule. You know, (laughs) like that's going to create as an authentic, you know, as an authentic piece of content as something that I just told you, you know, there is this weird thing around AI is that you just know, don't you somehow, like Mm -hmm. if you were given two blog posts, one written by a human, one written by AI on exactly the same subject, Mm -hmm. you would just, you you just know I mean, you get that feeling that there isn't that like 
that human spirit to the mm -hmm. writing. There isn't that. I, I, I wouldn't, can't even begin to describe it, but I, I know what you mean. And I think people can sense it too. So when they're mm -hmm. looking at, if you're writing marketing content or you're writing mm -hmm. content for your website or clients' websites, it is quite easily, like it's easy to spot and it's mm -hmm. probably quite un, like, unattractive. To the potential clients and it's yeah i'd love to i'd love to actually i think i might do this in like a maybe like a youtube video or something but like mm -hmm. like create an experiment mm -hmm. using copywriter copy and mm -hmm. ai copy mm -hmm. and then have them go head to head in like mm -hmm. a marketing contest and mm -hmm. see who comes out on top like see which one generates the most traffic from the ad or 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 something like that i think that'd be quite that'd be quite yeah. fun that'd um, be way cool to see yeah yeah maybe i'll drop you a, a message after this maybe that we could do we could get you on the on the copywriting front of the advert for this business <laughs> oh, against that could be fun. the ai yeah. especially if i'm feeling real salty and i use very uh faith redneck terms so <laughs> <laughs> that'll be good to see uh, but yeah, I mean, I, for me, I'm one that always, I use AI a lot, but kind mm -hmm. of in the way that you described it as well. I use it for inspiration and mm -hmm. sort of procrastination destruction because mm -hmm. I'm a big procrastinator. And when there's, you know, this marketing campaign that I have to work on and, you know, I have to start it pen to paper and I'm just, oh, you know, what, what could I do? What's this idea? And I just, I talk to chat um, GPT like it's a human. I'm asking questions. They're like, mm. I, you know, I have to do this marketing campaign and the products, this, that, what do you think about this? How could I do this? And it just spits out a load of ideas, most mm. of the time terrible. Mm -hmm. But even if it's a bad idea, my brain or like I'm then thinking, oh, that is a bad idea because mm -hmm. of this. So mm. therefore, this would be a good idea. So that's the way like I'm utilizing it at the moment. It's sort of mm -hmm. that, you know, procrastination buster, that mm. inspiration. Um, and I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all for anybody, mm -hmm. like even in the copywriting space, or even if you're, you know, writing, you know, you're a fiction writer or something to utilize AI, mm -hmm. um, as long as you use it properly, as long as you're mm -hmm. not trying to like, almost, I don't want to say like cheat the system, but like, I, I don't think it works out if you were to say, okay, I want to write a book on mm -hmm. wizards for example, and mm -hmm. then just press submit and just let that spit out the whole book for you. I think it would be mm -hmm. a terrible book. Mm -hmm. um, but I think combining it, like getting the inspiration from there, inspiration for the characters, inspiration for scenes, inspiration for whatever in, in this mm -hmm. context, I think you know, AI um, is very helpful on that. And I mean, it's, we're using pretty much an AI platform right now in this podcast recording. Mm -hmm. Like it's transcripting our voices. It's going to give us the like this software that we're using right now riverside.fm it will mm -hmm. at the end as well it will give us um uh what it recommends as potential mm. viral clips so there'll be 10 or so clips that it recommends to us we can take them look at them and think okay that's good or maybe the ai hasn't hit the mark on this one right so then it's like a tool to sort of optimize the process um for mm. us um, but yeah, sorry about that little rant about uh, no, AI. Fine. I just, I, I uh, yeah, I, I just, yeah, love it. It's and fascinating, I mean, um, and it's very, it's a very hot topic. Yeah, um, yeah, so it's very hot. Most people uh, uh, are talking about it um, right mm -hmm. now. But uh, I'll bring it back uh, towards us for a moment. And one of the things that I've seen uh, that you're doing is you run a Facebook community. 
um, for SEO uh, and marketing, which uh-huh. which is something I've seen a few people or quite a lot of people doing is a term um, as a form of marketing and, you know, lead like warming up potential uh-huh. leads before uh-huh. they uh, eventually buy the service from you. Uh-huh. Um, how is that working out for you? And uh, would you recommend it to uh, freelancers? <laughs> so that's a funny question because like on my list of priorities, Facebook is like bottom of the barrel. Um, I have, I repurpose my content to Facebook. Um, I actually have an intern that runs it and then I hop on there and answer questions. Um but really my email list is my big push that I make people to get in my Facebook group. You have to join my email list. So that's how that works for me. Um, I mean, my podcast is top of funnel and then I repurpose my blog, my podcast into my blog. And then my, my email list is where I really spend my time nurturing. Um, My Facebook group is fairly, it's really small right now. And one of my business coaches, she basically said, like, you're not going to see much activity there until you have like three, four or 5,000 people in there. And so right now I'm just on like the maintaining stage. I'm like, I'll just, I have these posts planned out. This is what I post when, and we've got everything, um, you know, pretty, I've got my intern trained to do that. Um, and then I just kind of I'm like, okay, unless there's a question, I ignore it. Cause social media is not part of my strategy right now. I mean, it's just not where I'm spending my time and my effort. And so that's, that's how that's going. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we talked about this before we started the podcast as well. It's like, it's opportunity cost, right? You Mm -hmm. can't be everywhere doing everything all at once. So if you know, like what you're, you know, better at and what's working for you, it's better to focus the energy where it's getting the biggest results. So for you, Mm -hmm. that's the email list. And Mm -hmm. obviously that is you know, right down your street with the copywriting because uh-huh. that is literally that. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, people listening to this and beginner freelancers, it's a good piece of advice just to like find what's working for you uh-huh. and push that forward. You don't need to be everywhere all at once on like uh-huh. every single social media platform uh-huh. um, because it, it's going to wear you too thin and then uh-huh. you'll be overworked and you won't put any effort or enthusiasm into making that content. Yeah, um, A lot of people like making reels and TikTok mm-hmm. videos. And so it doesn't take as much mental energy from them to like sit in front of the camera and make mm-hmm. content and do content and use that as sort of a, you know, traffic generation mm-hmm. uh, method. But for others, you know, if you don't, you know, enjoy it, it also kind of shows on the camera as well. Mm-hmm. I think if you're kind of like forcefully doing mm-hmm. like TikTok videos because a business consultant or somebody told you that, that's where it's all at at the moment and you need to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I can, you know, I, I agree with you uh, on that respect as well. So, but how do you, so you say your top of the funnel is the podcast. So mm-hmm. from your podcast, I guess you send people to uh, your website or somewhere where they can sign up to be a part of your email list. Yeah. So on my podcast, um, everything, basically this is how my content flow works. Like I have my podcast and, and it, everything is like works together. So I've got my podcast and then I repurpose that outline into an actual blog, not a transcript. Um, and then that 
that stuff goes to my email list. And my email list gets a once a week, just like pitch free. Here's some encouragement. Here's some, you know, love like every Sunday or Monday. And then Friday I do a content roundup where I'm like, Hey, here's some helpful stuff. Watch this, listen to this. This is what I'm reading. Like just a content roundup. Most of it's my content. Sometimes it's like, Hey, this song made me happy. Go listen to it. Um, and then that's re like my, my podcast is in repurposed onto my Facebook, like just with a graphic. Um, and then like my blog graphics are repurposed and I have some engagement stuff, but it's honestly really simple <laughs> and I like it simple. <laughs> and I push everybody, I shouldn't say I push everybody, but like, I mean, I want people to go to my website. I don't want them to go to my social media. I want them to go to my website and I pitch pretty shamelessly on my podcast and pretty shamelessly on my blog for my paid products and my coaching calls and stuff like that, because it's like, ultimately I know I can help people. And so it doesn't scare me to pitch on there. Um, and I don't actually promote, I don't have any ads other than my own products on my podcast. And that seems to do really well for me. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this just sounds like a good funnel. And, you know, uh, you probably get good interaction from if people have come to your podcast, mm -hmm. because it's such a great platform for you to be able to almost show off the knowledge that you mm -hmm. have. And it's sort of that, it's almost a CV in itself. Like if you can listen to somebody for 20 minutes talking about the service that they offer and show that they know what they're talking about, mm -hmm. it's such a great way to be able to, like warm up a lead and convince a lead that you mm -hmm. can do that service um, for them. Mm -hmm. uh, and then having them on the email list as well. I like what you're saying um, about, you know, you, you're giving them like content rounds up and even things like I listened to this song. It's sort mm -hmm. of like, it made me happy this week. Maybe you would like it. Just trying mm -hmm. to spark that like personal connection mm -hmm. uh, with the client, which I think is super important in business. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'm just, I am who I am regardless of where I am. And so, Everybody love. I, I shouldn't say everybody, but my emails have like a fifty to sixty percent open rate. No, um, that's really good for for yeah. context to the listeners. Like yeah. fifty to sixty percent is incredible. I can tell you now, that is incredible. Yeah, and a lot of it is just because I put myself into there and I story tell and I tell embarrassing things in my life and you know times when I screwed up and times when my kids maybe did something they shouldn't have done or you know stuff like that. There's just like real life, real human, like this is what life looks like and this is how we're overcoming and these are some business tips and yeah. And so I just, ultimately I wanted to serve people and I just thought, gosh, I hate emails. <laughs> I hate reading emails. I hate reading salesy emails, but I thought there's a handful of emails I do like reading and they're emails that are serving and they're emails that are very personable. And so how can I serve my people well with email marketing, because I don't want to spend my life on social media, but I really love having somebody's email address because then I can get a hold of them and get something good to them whenever. Yeah. Are you on Substack by any chance? I don't even know what that is. Ah, uh, so this sounds, so I, I discovered this recently and the, the last person I spoke to in the previous podcast, they were telling me a lot about it. And I think this, this sounds absolutely perfect for you. So basically what it is it's like it's like a social media platform for newsletters essentially hmm. so this is like i'm not an expert on substack i've 
literally just found out about this, but it just sounds like it would be perfect for you um, and anybody in a similar situation to you as well. And basically, it is a newsletter platform where you have like complete ownership of all the email addresses, you know, all your data, everything. Huh. Um, but you can offer a, you know, free emails to people and free like blog posts as well as having a subscription. And the way, so the last podcast hmm. guest I was talking to, uh, her name's Amy Suto. And basically what she did is she had this goal of she wanted to make eight grand a month from uh, from this, this Substack. So she's oh. just started like, I think it was like two months ago, she started on this journey. Hmm. Um, well, it's actually 14 weeks ago. She's got a YouTube video on this, but she started 14 weeks ago and she was just writing one newsletter every week for free and then mm-hmm. one premium one uh, every week as well, which is like a, you know, I think like a four or $5 subscription or something like wow. that. And basically what she does, is I think she just details her journey, her life, what she's doing, what she's learning, and then passing on those learnings to, um, to the listeners. And I think to her surprise as well, she, she reached in the first 14 weeks, 1.5 K I don't know if that's 1.5k in that two months or 1.5k a month. And the process is like super organic. So it sounds like for you where that writing comes super natural to you and, you know, you're like a kind of like born copywriter and storyteller in that front. If you were to like document what you're documenting in your current newsletter and move Mm -hmm. that to um, Substack and then how give people the option to you know get one more email a week from you for that five dollars hmm. that could be like a new um like revenue stream um option for you because uh, it sounds like that kind of content really resonates with people on that mm-hmm. platform mm-hmm. um and, and it's kind of like a social media in itself is where they promote other people's uh, newsletters or hmm. blogs uh, across there so it's like a growth platform as well as like a revenue generating platform yeah, so cool. it sounds really interesting i'll have to check into it yeah i mean it's something that like i i've been debating myself is <gasps> okay again the whole opportunity cost um mm-hmm. conversation is okay do i have enough time and am i willing to put enough effort into this to make it worthwhile mm-hmm. because there's the whole scenario of like starting and stopping is kind of like a a bad thing in the industry or just bad thing in general you want to start something and commit to it but yeah um if if you do if you do check it out let me know i'd love to like subscribe and you know uh see how you get on with that but yeah i think it's a new opportunity in the market for freelancers and and uh, for small business owners uh trying Mm -hmm. to generate a, a bit of extra revenue or even just express you know express themselves and use it as a client uh, use it as a client acquisition, client acquisition method. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Substack, everybody go, uh, uh, go check that out. And then if anybody, yeah, if anybody does have some really cool Substack stories of, of their growth and potential um, through that, please, uh, please let me know. You can at 100k freelance club on Instagram um, and send us a DM. I'd love to see that. Um, but yeah, I'm going to ask you, one last question. Sorry, I went off on a rant. And then again, I always do You're this. But, uh, one last question uh, on the SEO front, mm-hmm. and that is: Is SEO trend driven? Like, do you see and follow? Is there like trends that you have to follow in uh, the search engine optimization world? I think it depends on your industry. 
you know, if you are, if you sell, if you're a product based business, like you better pay attention to the trends that are going to hit at Christmas time, you know? Um, and that, you know, you, but if you are, you know, a service based business or a freelancer, like I would pay more attention to the times of year than necessarily, you know, super, super trendy topics. Like obviously there are some trends air quote trends that are a little bit more long lasting, you know, like people are interested in AI right now. People are interested in chat GPT right now. Like if that's something that you feel like you have authority to speak on, then yes, let's pay attention to those trends. But for the most part, I mean, you need to know if something is trending downward, you know, hugely going out of top, hugely going out of style, so to speak, or whatever, like, and you need to pay attention to that. But I don't think that trends need to completely rule your life for your SEO strategy. Yeah, that's good to know. So you don't have to, you know, focus on what's hot right now. You can focus on you know, your core product service mm-hmm. and offering. Mm-hmm. And then I guess use those like trends as an extra. And I, I like what you yeah. said there as well. You need to you need to really identify when a trend is going down. Mm-hmm. Um I think that a lot of people ignore that. They sort of see, you know, what's mm-hmm. hot and they jump to it and they run to it and then they don't and they're probably keep too an late. eye on it. If you, if yeah, you were, exactly. If it's already hot, you're probably too late. Yeah. Especially that, for SEO purposes because it takes a little bit for that to incubate. I mean, it's much more the crock pot of marketing than like we were talking before about paid ads or like instant ROI. You know, SEO is more of the crock pot long-term effect of marketing. Yeah, exactly. It's just got that like like longer return on investment period, mm-hmm. whereas the, the ads world is sort of like that instant, um, that instant sort of uh, return. But in terms of like search engine optimization and the length of time it takes to get a return, how long do you tend to have to wait before you start seeing results uh, on on keywords that you've implemented on a page? So it just depends on the client. It depends on what else they have going on. Generally, I tell people three to six months. Like, let's not get too hyped up if we're not seeing results before three to six months. But then sometimes I've had clients where we did a keyword research call. We went in and changed her page titles, her H1 text, and kind of touched her blog strategy a bit. And her traffic doubled in a month. Oh, wow. And then some people, it's like... At three months, we're seeing a 300% increase. At six months, we're seeing, you know, a 600% increase, you know, and I just, that, those aren't exact numbers. So, you know, but I'd have to pull up my data for that. But for most people, I, I really start looking for some very tangible results within three to six months and then a year out. Mm. And that's How do you tell that to, yeah, that's with consistent implementation too. It's not just like. Oh, I changed just the one off. Go back, yeah. Yeah. How do you communicate that with clients? Is that hard to do? Like to tell them, okay, you're going to pay me, but you're not going to see results for potentially six months. Mm, sometimes, but for the most part, by the time somebody comes to me, they already know that they need SEO. They know that it's gonna. They know that it's more of a long game. And in you know my client work. I communicate that. And if I'm doing a complete website copy package, I have built into my contract that six months 
after they implement all of the changes, we go back and we spend an hour looking at things. And then if I'm like, yeah, this word's not working, let's switch that up, then we switch that up. Okay, that's, yeah, that's interesting because I've always thought it's quite difficult to go in on like a, when you're pitching and that hard sell on, mm-hmm. on like long term mm-hmm. results, but that's a, a good point that you have. And like they're probably quite far down like the customer sort of like purchase cycle, whereas like mm-hmm. they're warmed up, they know they need search engine optimization. They've probably seen other businesses succeed in with mm-hmm. that and they feel like um, they're left out. But yeah, I mean, f- Thank you for like sharing all of the like quick tips and information uh-huh. as well um, today. I can see we're coming up on like the hour mark here. So I just wanted to jump in and say like, a massive thank you for jumping uh, on the podcast and for sharing all of your wisdom uh, with us today. And um, yeah, it's, it's been really great talking to you. And well, thanks. I've really enjoyed it. And thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're welcome. And if, if people want to find out more about you, Um, and they want to get in touch with you, um, how can they do so? So really the best place is probably my podcast, which is Simple SEO and Marketing with Faith Hannon. I'm on iTunes and all of the places. And then my website is faithhannon.com. And you can find everything you need to know there. I've got an entire course on my signature method that I use to take people from like poop traffic to (laughs) 1,500% growth. Um, And that course is called the Organic Marketing Framework. And that's available for purchase whenever. And then I also offer coaching and consulting and then VIP days. But I'm um, shutting some of that down for maternity leave after I have this baby. And then we'll reopen the one-on-one stuff and the coaching when the baby's three months or so old. We'll see. Oh, that's nice. And yeah, congratulations again uh, on the on the, on the the new baby on the way as well. That's awesome. We're excited. Um, so, yeah. So happy for you. And yep, one last massive thank you for coming on um, the show today. I'll end out the show here. So uh, thank you to everybody listening um, to this podcast. Remember to subscribe. And if you haven't already, head over to the 100kfreelancerclub.com website and sign up for um, our free content and courses that we have available on there. So yeah, thank you, everybody. And we'll catch you in the next one.